Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week, it's Tuck Me In. Tuck me in, my wife. <laughs> hey, David, Anthony, Tim, Crisp. Are you going to be enjoying your time now with the Los Angeles Lakers now that the Pelicans have traded you for all of those young and up and coming ball players? It's just great to be part of a dynasty. It's great to be uh, here in LA playing for the best fans in the world. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a real gift. Second best fans in the world because, in my opinion, the best fans in the world are the fans of As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio. My name is Tim Crisp. His name is David Anthony, which sounds like Anthony Davis if you really think about it. I got an email this week where someone referred to me as that. Uh, this happens a lot. Really? Yeah. Uh, and I was like, how did you get to there? But whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, I would like to ask my dog how she got to where she is, which is very, very bad gas. We should uh, take care of that after post-production. Hey, but the production, the production this week on As You Were a Podcast about Alkaline Trio, of course, is the discussion of an Alkaline Trio song. That is what we do here. And the one, the Alkaline Trio song, uh, for this week on Alkaline Trio, as you were the podcast, is Tuck Me In, mm -hmm. the seventh track on the band's second LP, Maybe I Will Catch Fire. Maybe one day I will catch fire. Uh, we've talked about a lot of Maybe I'll Catch Fire. I feel like... I feel like I've talked this record to death at this point in my life. Bubba, we are at a point where we've talked a lot about every Alkaline Trio this record. This is true. I don't know why. I think maybe because this one's only 10 tracks, it feels like we've gone through it quicker. Yeah. Where like the ones left on the block aren't that many. And they're arguably the two I want to talk about most. I know. It's interesting <laughs> how that works out. Um, But this is the one we're talking about. Tuck me in. Hit me with just your gut level thoughts on this one. It's a song. Okay, fair. Tuck Me In is a song um, that I enjoy. I don't love. I dislike aspects about it. I don't love. I don't love anything about it. I don't hate anything about it. I. It's just kind of there. I'm in large agreement. I would say there's a couple small moments I love. Mm -hmm. and, and really like but by and large it's kind of there it's it's as you said in uh, uh pre-pro yes it's almost kind of like a fatal years nice little linking verb here to get us to the next action um and not just because it's the seventh track yeah but i th i think it's just a very utilitarian kind of song it's the type of song where to me, I think aside from the weird chords at the top and then Skiba going really shreddy vocals at the end, this is kind of in this mid range. This is kind of all one thing. If you picks up the pace a little bit after yeah. after um, "Fuck You, Aurora" and "Sleepyhead," which are kind of know. dirges, mm -hmm. and maybe I'll catch fire, which has a quicker pace but it is very dour certainly quite dour um yeah tuck me in has a really 
yeah, great purpose to kind of just put a little life back into it. And when you get to She Took Him to the Lake, it's yeah, almost a perfect setup. Yeah, no, totally. It's I, a setup, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, it's getting a lot of uh, assists, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think what I like about the song is I like those parts where it's like, oh, I like these kind of weirder, more ominous chords that you don't really use. But they're just kind of tacked onto the front. They don't really resurface much. And I like the end where it's kind of shifting down a hair in terms of tempo. And, and, and he's really just screaming that shit. And it sounds cool. I will say when they do these type of faster songs, the the thing that always works for them is I think they've always had drummers who don't just play that standard like no effects punk beat. Yep. Um, and I think there is a lot of cool little accents happening that make it when they're in those choruses and faster parts. They feel more dynamic. They feel more interesting and engaging to me. One thing that I really, uh, really honed in on listening to it, uh, you know, a few times for preparation for this was there's those accents that hit um, in the chorus where it's that stutter, that kind of really typical uh, pop punk stutter step that is not fully pronounced. They don't do like a full like stop stop thing. They just kind of glance at it but keep the pace going yeah yeah there there are a lot of aspects of this song that i think you know work really well dynamically but my ultimate takeaway from it is that it's a song that i wish was workshopped a little bit more sure i wish there was a lot more attention paid to details yeah i mean i think that's the thing is this record was written very quickly and they've been pretty open about the fact you know that they didn't god damn it uh, Live My Face Off EP comes out, then this, the last thing with Glenn. And at that point, Dan was living in Albion House, had moved out of the three flat where they all lived. So clearly, from going from Rogers Park to Ukrainian Village is kind of, or is it's a trek. Mm-hmm. Um, they were touring a lot. This record happened very quickly, very organically. This is the only song on this record to me that feels written very quickly. Yeah. And I think that the biggest thing that stands out to me within that is the lyrics. Yeah. This is a real miss for me. It's not good. I When I was a kid first hearing this and I was like 10 or 11 years old, I'd be like, ooh, it's kind of creepy. It yeah, makes me feel weird. It's, it's I don't want to be in a bed with snakes. Right. It's meant for a 13-year-old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just have this, this image whenever... <laughs> You know, Tuck Me In with the Tarantula comes out. You know that gif of, of The Rock when he's doing the la 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 Yeah. <laughs> it's just his tongue. And it's like, I just picture Matt Skiba just on an endless loop of going. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that tracks, I think. Um, lyrically, this is not a good song. It's okay. So I feel like I Lied My Face Off really was a very, very great point for the band to go into in terms of lyrical content where obviously god damn it is dark mm-hmm. i lied my face off is like very dark yeah yeah um and maybe i'll catch fire is you know pretty in tune with where i lied my face off is but i think you and i have talked about how the cover of maybe i'll catch fire is it's just so perfect because yes. that tone just really really holds on the entire record Mm -hmm. 
and this to me is just a glaring example of where you know we're doing a little bit too much halloween here matt like this is just kind of too silly yeah it's definitely something where it feels a little more forced and it feels more transitory into what i think we're going to see on the next couple records where i think everything up to now i don't see as much matt trying to be that guy you know i think it comes a little more naturally and i lied my face off and goddamn and all that and even for the rest of Maybe I'll Catch Fire, I think he's singing about his life and his experiences and people he knows and things that have happened. And then this one kind of presages like a private eye, kind of presages an Armageddon. Right. Where you're like, okay, you maybe don't have a subject. I, I'm i not against some of the imagery or like what he's, the simplicity of the idea of tuck me in i think it's kind of an interesting title mm-hmm. but i don't think he does anything with it beyond just like uh i don't want to be in a bed with the following items um <laughs> you know and then just fucking that's kind of it because i i just really don't understand if if there's an actual thing that's that's guiding this yeah other I, than that phrase right yeah and and the chorus is completely disconnected from it yeah and i actually i like a lot of aspects of that chorus just because it's it's not exactly it's not pronounced but it's evocative in a way because it's not it's not just like it's not just hitting you with stupid fucking things over and over again (laughs) um you know the the idea of like nothing to cry over and all you know really hones in on milk in this this (laughs) chorus here but there's there's something to that aspect of it, you know, nothing to cry over, um, where at least there's an application to the fact that you're a real life person with uh, a job and you have to worry about your bills. And it, well, it's it's one of the things he does sometimes where he picks a metaphor and then kind of deconstructs it. So it phrases it, it, it's it's the anchor for a verse or a chorus, but he's kind of like phrasing it out differently to like mm-hmm. extrapolate upon it. He's basically taking Don't Cry Over Spilled Milk and making that the anchor for this, which I'm not against because I think he expresses it in such a way where right, it's, it's like, all right, there's, there's something happening. I'm just thinking about how good Blake was at that and how yeah, it, it yeah, just yeah. like it just ruined everybody who came after where it's like, oh, that's that's the lane. That's what we well, got to do here. And this yeah. is a good example. Um, this is this is one where he does it well. Yeah. Um, but I just like to me looking at it and and seeing tuck me into where it's freezing what does he, that mean well what does it mean but also it could mean something about like being in a crappy apartment in a place like chicago like give me if give me more of that not snakes not tarantulas <laughs> not fallen angels well and i think to if we're going to take that or or explore that like that's kind of what he first did with sundials it's about living in a crappy apartment that has no window Mm -hmm. and he could have done that here i also think like if we're gonna do tuck me in where it's freezing like that's it almost reads like a withdrawal Mm -hmm. type thing which could have been explored in an interesting sense but I, i don't know there's just nothing for me to grab onto lyrically here the, all the things I like about this are musical. Maybe he is withdrawing and he's feeling tarantulas. I mean, maybe. Dude, yeah. I tell you what, I freaking trod from that Vicodin that they put me on, and that made me feel weird. So, Were you in a bed with snakes? 
Yeah, and then there was a baby on the ceiling that was crawling, and just just this whole thing. Yeah. But then yeah, my yeah. my parents woke me up, and then, you know, that was nice. Oh, that's good. Um, choose yeah. life. Choose a job. Choose a career. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. Um, this is a song that it feels like one of the first Alkaline Trio songs that just feels forced. Mm. And putting it in the context of the follow-up record that you got to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody has their whole life to write the first one. And here's a really quick turnaround on a follow-up after an EP. Yeah, I mean, there was uh, they were producing at a pretty steady clip there, you know. And I think that's something kind of worth looking into is between the years of what? form in 96 so basically everything kind of happens within three years up to this point mm-hmm. more or less and i think we also need to address openly the fact that like there was some discord in internally within yes. within the band within the camp um how much should we get into this here i i feel like this is uh this is a story that's out there so we should just tell it as we've heard it okay so I'm going to start by saying that we've heaped, we've heaped a lot of praise on the band's drummer from this era, Glenn Porter. Mm-hmm. I think he had so much to this band in this time period. It's great. Uh, nothing bad to say about his work or performance. However, I've heard through people that, you know, he maybe had a little bit of an ego was maybe not the kindest gentleman sometimes, was maybe a little shitty towards people. Matt um, kind of said as much to me when I uh, did an interview with him and and inquired about it. Matt does not look back on this record fondly, I think because of the associations with Glenn, of it being written quickly. Because when you did the Rank Your Records with him, where was this? Bottom. Absolute bottom. Absolute bottom. Mm -hmm. And it seems largely because of, of, of those things, right? So, which is funny because then when they were promoting uh, the last record, Is This Thing Cursed, uh, Dan referenced how this record felt like maybe I'll catch fire. And I was like, weird. Um, Anyway, point being, Glenn had long been dating Heather, who lived in that same house with them. Heather designed the Heart Skull logo, did a lot of the design for the band, T-shirts, artwork, photography, uh, she sold merch for them. She was a very integral part of this band. Her and Glenn were romantically involved. They fell out. And I think this record was being written kind of through some of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Glenn is asked to leave the band. Glenn is asked to leave the band because Heather is uh, seeing someone else. A, a guy from a band who a lot of people looked up to new mm-hmm. band uh a band that alkaline trio played the goddamn it record release show with um but not the one that writes the words really well no no not someone him. different from someone different uh-huh and glenn's none too happy was that person also in another band that's really good um i mean they all were yeah was it texas is the reason no okay um so dog what did you eat (laughs) well funny you should say that because glenn mails the guy a box of shit (laughs) 
and Glenn puts Heather's return address on it. Um, so that makes her look bad. That yeah. makes Alkaline Trio look bad, especially when they're trying to maybe tour with said band. And would you like to take us on tour with you? We played that one show where we were terrible. Well, yes. Um, and then this guy mailed you a bag of shit. Uh, Want to do that? Obviously, the answer is no. But also, Glenn is a liability. Let's mm-hmm. just be real. He's kind of a loose cannon. He's maybe being not the kindest to some of the fans and the other people in the industry. And then he does this. And, well, there's sto- stories, too, about you know him just being shitty with people who they're staying with on tour and just doing all of the wrong things yeah doing all the stuff in a band where you're like yeah they were cool but that one guy's is shitty and i don't want to deal with this you yeah. know and and especially when you're in a band of their ilk they're on asian man and they're still doing a lot of kind of diy touring that is a liability and you don't want to deal with it um for just obvious reasons uh so could you imagine working with mike park and having somebody in your party who is not a nice person yeah it's just it's one of those things where it's just kind of weird yeah you know and i think glenn came from a slightly different background like he was not to uh cast aspersions here but when you look at the bands that like man dan were in previous Mm -hmm. compared to glenn being in 88 fingers louie and kind of in the skate punky a little bit broier type of scene right Maybe we aren't surprised by this behavior completely. Sure. You know? Um, So, again, not to uh, speak ill of him, because I wasn't there for this, but these are stories that I've heard and have been passed down. And in the case of uh, a box of shit story, Heather has made very public posts about it. So this is not no longer a trade secret. Right. Uh, In fact, there's a Chicago Reader piece from the time infirmary came out that openly addresses this fact so while i think we've been a little delicate about it it's i've more or less confirmed that this is a story that is out there it's not spoken about much because it's not uh everybody's trying to move on no one no one wants to hold on to this shit right get it um but it is part of the story unfortunately what's in the box Oh, no. Uh, fun fact, I saw someone post who was the roommate w- with the person who received the box of shit at the time. That person was on tour. So this box sat unopened in their apartment. No. For like two, yeah. yeah, it was bad. Um, it's it's just sh- juvenile behavior. <laughs> and you're an adult. You can't you can't do that. Yeah. It's, Don't mail someone a box of shit. Right. And I, I it's easy to uh, to make light. But that's so absurdly bad think just about don't that. do that think about that like you went and bought a box took a shit in it wrapped it like you had to really commit there are so many moments throughout this process where you're like no yeah don't do this mm-hmm. don't do this mm-hmm. but you did this you really did this uh, so that's it that's that's the end of of Glenn. Yes. Is that that's kind of the final straw in it? I mean, the last he was kind of persona non grata with that band for a long time mm-hmm. for obvious reasons. And uh, 
because Heather's still very close in that camp and continued to tour with them and do their shirts and art and all this stuff and is a very important person to this band. And I think really the aesthetic of a certain style of punk rock in the 2000s. Like, but, you know, I, I, I think it, it was a line. And I think it was a line where it kind of speaks to the fact that they were loyal to her. Mm-hmm. You know, this was someone they trusted and that, that they were they weren't going to have someone doing this to her. Yeah. And uh, I think there's a reason that like really the only time he surfaces in terms of discussion of the band again is the original sin documentary when the goddamn it redux came out, obviously all those interviews being done in isolation from one another, but it's, they don't really speak about him much matter Dan. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're very open about their history, but I think they're at least the impression I get is that there's still some bad blood there. That that that's never uh, that bridge has never been put back together. I mean, and it makes sense because really, I think the only possible way that that happens is for uh, the person at fault here to do a lot of reaching out, a lot yeah. of necessary apologizing and examination of self. And if that never happens, then why would you? And why would you look back? Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's that's part of it. And I think one of those things, and, and this is one of those things that, like, whenever you're a fan of a band, you just start talking about those hypotheticals. Like, what if? Right. And with, with Derek being, you know, not actively playing with them right now, where people will be like, oh, they need to get Glenn back. And it's like, would I love to see a tour where it's, the th- it's Matt, Dan, and Glenn just playing all the shit that they played on together? Wow, that would be cool. Will that ever happen? No, yeah, that is just not gonna happen. That's that it's an impossibility, and I think a lot of people don't know maybe the why of that's an impossibility, which we've gotten into here. Uh, long time coming, really. Yeah, we, we have had a couple of instances where we say, Is this the point where we should talk about it? Yeah, and I think as to the point of like, oh, we've talked about all these records a lot, we're getting to the point where we need to start unpacking some of this. Well, and I, I think bringing it back to the song itself and a song that we have hinted at the fact that things happen really quickly here. We wish that more time was spent on aspects of this. Um, It sounds like you're working very intensely with a lot of personal pressure in a confined space with somebody who, I mean, if, if somebody's capable of doing that, they're probably not a very nice person to be around in any situation. Yeah, and it's also probably one of those things where you're like, we're, if you're mad or Dan, you're like, we're in a band that's gaining steam. This is doing well. Dan's now fully out of Tuesday. That band has been put to bed. Uh, and you're kind of just being like, I don't want to halt this momentum. Also, Glenn's a very good and very unique drummer. So even when you start thinking like, or you're having those conversations like, what if we get rid of him? Who are you going to get? Yeah. That, that becomes a tough conversation and that becomes a very hard conversation when you're just a local band on Asian man and not mm, signed to vagrant yet. Mm-hmm. You know, th- there becomes some pressures of like, I don't want to kill this. I don't want to have to cancel tours. I don't want to have to not do these things or not get these songs out. So I imagine there was a little bit of like, yeah, it would be nice if they had more time to do it. But I imagine there were some, you know, 
there were some things happening internally with all of them where it's like, all right, this is fine. Like the song's good. Let's move on. Yeah. You know, let's get 10 songs and let's record it and let's call it a day. And I mean, when you, when you look at, uh, what they're able to turn out with maybe I'll catch fire while there are holes on it, this being one of them, you walk away with a record that has three or four just standout tracks maybe i'll catch fire is a very successful follow-up to god oh, yeah. damn it yeah and at times a record i really love you know yeah. um flaws and all but yeah and it's also like they were all fucking young too you know yeah. i don't know if i would have had the uh ability to deal with this in a better way if i was 23 absolutely and yeah i don't how do you approach somebody that uh that just shit in a box i don't know <laughs> I do not know. What do you rate this song? I'm going to give it a three and a half. You know, I obviously these are subjective rating scales that we have working here. And I think that context is definitely a determining factor on, you know, how we rate things. And we've talked about that before. Certain songs on certain not good records get rated higher with the material that's surrounding this for me this is this is a two interesting i mean i almost went three and maybe you know i'm gonna give it a three honestly because i'm thinking about some other things that i you know it's and we i know it's not bad i know that we're kind of ramping it up here but there's one thing that that kills it for me is that this, this song is too long it doesn't need to be as long as it is and yes i know that that is maybe an unfair criticism to have because i think that for me is guided by the fact that joyce manor is a band that would do this song in a verse a chorus and maybe that's it and it would be great and this one it's like all right you're just you're just back to add more dumb things on top of the dumb things that you already gave me the guitar solo is really flat and I do like the screaming parts at the end. I, you know, there are things that I like about it, but it it misses. Yeah, it's just one of those that's like when I think about it, I'm kind of like, yeah, it's fine. Like, there's nothing offensive to me, but there are so many songs better than it. And also, it's just fascinating that like the two kind of like peppiest Matt songs on this record, this and like Madam Me, are two I don't really like that much. Mm-hmm. Like, they're fine. They're not. There's nothing I like fucking hate on this record, but all the songs I like of his are like four minute weird mid tempo things. And I think I guess it's just one of those where it's it's a nice reprieve, but yeah, like I'm never gonna put the song in a mix for someone if they're getting into this band. It's like a cool little song, but it's also got a lot of flaws and yeah, I I don't hate it, but I, I think I might just have initially given it more credit because it's on a record i otherwise like and i think you know we're we're going to unpack those slow and prodding songs i i guess i look back at this and this is a you know a perspective that a lot of time has helped to build but this is an easy song and you had you have some really really daring tracks that come before it and I understand the intention of putting it here and I understand and have spoken to the way that it does benefit what follows mm-hmm. um, and what comes before it. But after some of those songs on there that would not have come during the goddamn it era, I would have liked to see him maybe follow that intuition, maybe yeah. make something that's a little bit more challenging. Yeah. 
I agree. So, obviously, we can all sit and play armchair quarterback, but something that I love to play is hanging out with my friend David. Aww. And I am so glad that there are folks out there who are listening to this and listening to it uh, because it came out on a Tuesday. Sorry about last week. Came out on a Tuesday. Maybe it's part of your Tuesday morning or afternoon or evening routine or however you're experiencing it. This is just me talking to my freaking homie, David, who I am just so joyed to be in the presence of every single time we do it. And the fact that there's anybody out there who cares to listen to it is just great. That's all I have to say about that. But we do appreciate you and invite you to go on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. That way you can help us help you by continuing to give you more content and do this thing and continue to keep it going. Upgrade our audio equipment. I don't know if you all have noticed, Um, but it's a fun way for you to help us continue to keep the lights on. Uh, We have some very cool pledge tiers over there. Uh, You can pledge a monthly amount and maybe vote on some of the songs that we talk about or listen to us talk at great lengths about other things and maybe get in on some swag. We got some sweet swag. Oh, buddy, it's so good. Either way, we'll be back with another installment for you next week. I'm looking forward to it. And we will talk to you then. Thanks, buddies. Nothing.